You know, every time I get a little discouraged about the media coverage in some aspect, I, I thought, as I mentioned earlier today, uh, Justices Rollo's report on the Emergency Act wasn't a shining gold star for what's going on in the media. I always think of a few people who are doing brilliant work, uh, important work to boot, everything I hope the media could do. Uh, I'm thinking Sam Cooper's done some great uh, work on the China file, but also led by Terry Glavin. You know, Terry, I hope you read him in the National Post. I hope you read him in the Ottawa Citizen, and I hope you go to his substack, The Real Story. That's one word, realstory.substack.com. Uh, does great work and has been doing great work on many files, but I'm talking about the China file today for a number of years. He's the person I went to when I had questions. I, I go to his work. It's well-detailed, uh, well-resourced, as typical of his work. As you can tell, I'm a fan, and I'm thrilled that he's with me here today. Terry, thanks for finding time. Well, it's nice to talk to you, Michael. Is this another escalation here? I'm talking specifically about the report. They put it in the front page of the Globe and Mail. I thought that was a good sign that someone thought it was important of Chinese interference, which we already knew in 2019, 2021. But we were more, uh, I guess, uh, nuanced in exactly what was happening. Maybe you can bring our audience up to speed. Yeah, I. Uh, it's um, the Globe and Mail has taken this very seriously. I'm very happy to see that Bob Fife and Stephen Chase have been on this file for a while. Um, and you're right; we have been we have known about this. Um, uh, we knew about it when it was happening in 2019 and in 21 and 2021. Um, what's interesting is that in, in the work that Bob and Steve have, have, have recently done is that it, it confirms the work that, uh, that, uh, Sam Cooper had done for global about, and it's a really about the extent to which our intelligence agencies were aware of these extremely elaborate and completely illegal, of course, uh, interventions in the core of our sovereign democratic processes in this country. Um, and the, 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 the thing to keep your eye on, I think, is that CSIS knew, uh, the communication security establishment knew, the National Security Intelligence Review Agency knew, um, and knew in great detail, granular detail, that the Chinese government, the uh, embassies and con the embassy and consulates in this country, the uh, Communist Party of Ch the Commun Chinese Communist Party's United Front Work Department, were determined that the Liberal government would be re-elected in 2019 and 2021, and that cons the Conservatives would be defeated. And the the the, the news the newsworthy bit is that. CSIS knew, the intelligence agencies knew this was happening and um, actually reported all the way up to the Prime Minister's office and the Privy Council office. So the government knew. And all, all along, uh, from, the very, the, from the very beginning of these revelations two, three years ago, uh, the Trudeau government has been dismissing this stuff. Oh, it happens all the time. Oh, yes, well, you know... Um, it wasn't really a big deal. The outcome of the election wasn't uh, wasn't affected, and I think uh, you know a significant. Well, certainly the polls seem to show that an over, overwhelming majority of Canadians do regard this as quite scandalous. Um, I mean, really quite scandalous, and so that's what's going on now. And and I think a lot of the really sordid connections between um, the the prime minister's office 
and uh, cabinet uh, and uh, Chinese business interests. Um, I think this is really starting to um, sort of emerge in rather sharp relief. People are beginning to notice this now. And that's, I think that's an extremely healthy thing for our democracy. Well, I mean, you think you've been writing, and it's for a number of years, but I'm going back in my mind to uh, 2017 when CSIS, uh, David Vignon, the head of CSIS, was making very clear warnings about China. I mean, what's killed me about this is, as you say, we certainly had an inkling, maybe not to the degree of the, you know, the specifics here, but our reaction to Chinese aggression, including the, the infamous hostage-taking, Michael Kovar, Michael Spavik, has been so muted. Uh, I'm thinking other things, like when the Five Eyes Intelligence Network at times excludes Canada. Yeah. You know, I mean, where's the alarm bells for that? And how do we have so many apologists that, and maybe some of them are on the Chinese payroll, for sure, the Communist Party payroll, but others aren't. And I'm just, I, I agree with you. I'm thrilled that it's getting this kind of attention. Yeah, it it is odd, isn't it? It's um it's a very interesting phenomenon, I think, the way the way um this particular government's uh intimacies with a hostile foreign power, you know, a state capitalist oligarchy, um that has um designs on Canada's natural uh natural resources um and uh, and so on has become normalized over the years. I remember, I'm thinking now, this is 12, 13 years ago, Anthony Campbell, who had just resigned as the um, head of the intelligence secretariat for the Privy Council office, told me, the words he used were, we're sitting, we're sitting ducks. We're sitting ducks, is what he said. And what he was talking about was, Canada doesn't really have a capacity to deal with um, na uh, national security uh, challenges like this. Part of it is a simple matter of definition. Part of it is because politicians kind of like to make things up on the fly. They don't like to be boxed in. They like to be able to define what a, you know, what a what a national security threat is themselves, you know, on a political basis if it's an investment in the oil industry or something like that. And this kind of this kind of strange uh, uh, ambigu ambiguity uh, allowed uh, the Trudeau government particularly uh, to essentially um, proceed with a with 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 a very explicit I mean it's in plain sight um, uh, program of 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 replacing the Harper government's vision of Canada as an energy superpower with a completely different vision of what Canada should be this idea of Canada as a post-national state, um, and the idea that uh, the 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 road to uh, middle class prosperity in Canada uh, that that road went through Shanghai and Guangzhou, that we should essentially integrate our um, our economies with the with Chinese markets and Chinese capital, and you know everybody thought this was kind of cool, right? Like, wow, man, we're we're all going to be rich and we're all be kind of groovy, and you know it's kind of like. I don't know, you know, this this strange kind of avant-garde uh, notion that, um, you know, we can we can have friendly relations with China and we can thumb our nose at the Americans and, um, you know, even in the early days of the Obama administration, they kept telling us, you know, they warning us away from Huawei. They said, look, no no good will come of this, <laughs> and uh, we thought we were clever, and look what's happened, 
you know, I mean, the kidnapping of the two Michaels, the fact that they, uh, they, 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 they have significant influence over significant sectors of the economy and certainly the political economy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are those of us, it's a small town, that, you know, like there's Bob Fife, Steve Chase at the Globe, Sam Cooper at Global, Jeremy Nuttall, Joanna Shue at the Toronto Star, um, you know, Doug Kwan and Tom Blackwell at The Post and myself. So, I mean, we're all feeling a little bit vindicated at the moment. <laughs> you know, it's important not to get too haughty about this. But, but I mean, let, I, let me I, ask you, you feel vindicated, but you, I can't believe you're surprised. I mean, you're not. I mean, you're not saying you are. I'm just saying for any of us, this is the Communist Party of China, for God's sakes. This is the greatest human rights abuser. They don't seem to have problem enslaving Uyghur women, chaining them to beds, as the BBC outlined, and then raping. You know, I mean, what do we think they're not capable of here? I, I just think anyone, the naivety in dealing with this group. I mean, what is our? <clears throat> we have two huge geopolitical issues right now, obviously Ukraine. But the other one, we stay up at night worrying about them going into Taiwan and taking over the, the semiconductor industry. I mean, whether that happens or not, but I meant, my goodness, has, has there anybody been more naive or more accommodating than Canada when it comes to the Communist Party? Well, we certainly, Canada certainly has distinguished itself among the liberal democracies of the world. Um, it's different here. It, the, the, the Trudeau government um, among the G7 countries has been... Um, precariously uh, promiscuous in its relationships with the Chinese Communist Party. You, you know, we have been excluded from um, uh, a lot of the five eyes. You know, we were, that, there was, that was a threat that, you know, we would have no access to the usual intelligence uh, sharing with the United States, Australia, Britain, New Zealand. Uh, we have been excluded from Asia, pardon me, Indo-Pacific trade uh, initiatives, um, that uh, the White House particularly has taken. Um, we, we really have been the odd man out. And I think what's, what's interesting is that, you know, it's the way you respond, Michael, you've been onto this, you understand this, you've noticed this. And, I've, and, and, and one of the things that I, I've concluded is that the reason, you know, people will ask me, they must have something on Trudeau, right? Like, like, what's the deal with the guy? What's, what's, what's wrong with this government? And the, the, the thing, to, the thing is that actually, this is just how they roll. It's bred in the bone with, with, with Justin Trudeau and his family and his circle. You know, the Montreal circle, the Gretchen's, the Power Corporation, SNC Lavalin, the Canada China Business Council. This is just the way they think. They don't think the way we think. They have a completely different conception of what, what Canada is um, and what, the role of government, uh, then, you know, well, by the poll, if the polls are anything to go by, about 87% of the Canadian people, um, they don't find, you know, like, the, the, on the issue of, for instance, of interference in our election, our elections, two years ago, after disgracing himself um, in the Meng Wanzhou matter by taking China's side, uh, John McCallum, our ambassador to China, had to be defenestrated by um, by um, Christian Freeland. It wasn't the first time Freeland has put her foot down and said, either this changes or I go, to give her her due. Um, admitted 
openly in an on-the-record conversation with the South China Morning, a reporter from the South China Morning Post, that he had been um, advising his former interlocutors in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, in how the Chinese government should comport itself and conduct itself during the election campaign in such a way as to ensure or more readily assure the re-election of the Liberal Party and the defeat of the Conservatives. He said this openly and on the record. It, th th this is the thing that people, you know, this wasn't a memo or a text message or an overheard conversation or a CSIS briefing document. This is an on-the-record interview. And I think the thing to notice about that is that he doesn't see anything wrong. He didn't see anything wrong with it. He just thought this was normal. Um, that that was kind of, you know, a normal kind of a thing to do. And, and, and I think it really illustrates how different um, those of, you know, you and I and 87% of Canadians are from a lot of the, these guys in the Canada-China business circle. They have a completely different conception of, of Canada as a nation. And um, they, draw, they draw no distinction between, uh, in foreign policy, between, uh, these hideous torture states like China and, uh, you know, troubled and interesting and colorful and crazy democracies like the United States of America. And I say there is a bloody difference. And uh, most Canadians can understand that. Mm -hmm. But these guys don't see it that way. So that's the thing. The reaction here has been uh, not surprising again. I mean, I... I thought the pro correct political response from the government would have been a lot more alarm bells, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, it hasn't been. It's, you know, how did CSIS possibly leak this to the Globe and Mail? Like that was their story. Yeah. You know, the thing that, I mean, plug I, the leaks. I, yeah, I, I've been astounded, actually, which leads me to wonder where does this end? I mean, if this wasn't the ultimate, if you know what I mean, like clearly having designs on impacting our election. Uh, and, and being successful in some areas. And, you know, yeah. our Canadian intelligence service, the military of Canada, you know, the parliamentary group that meets on this, uh, the list is so long and yet we continue. I mean, that's another dismissive attitude towards the seriousness of this. Uh, as you say, sorry, I'm going on and on, but the no, list is fine. a long one. The list is a very long one yeah. here, you know, uh, and they just keep dismissing, including on this. Yeah, I know it's, uh, well, you know, it, it, it does take a lot to surprise me. <laughs> it takes a lot to surprise me on this file. But I'm with you on this. I am actually quite quite, quite astonished. Um, I, I guess I'm astonished at the, at, at, at the fact that the, obviously the Trudeau government thinks it can get away with this line, right? Uh, the line being, um, you know, nothing to see here. This is what we've seen since last fall, particularly. Nothing to see here. This is normal. Countries do this all the time. Uh, you know, we've been concerned about this and we've been talking about this for years. No, they haven't. That's actually a lie. Uh, uh, not, and, 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 or not, and it's inaccurate, you know. Uh, this is the latest thing. It's, it's essentially... Oh, and, and also people who raise alarms about foreign interference in our election are essentially engaged in a Trumpist strategy, you know, a very specific reference to Donald Trump in his, you know, they stole the election stuff. 
the people who are concerned about uh, you know election integrity in Canada are engaged in a Trumpist strategy to undermine public confidence in the out the outcome of democratic elections in Canada. Now, that's pretty sinister to to not only suggest that you're some kind of MAGA nutcase if you're worried about the overwhelming evidence, smoking gun evidence of China's interference in our elections on to the advantage of the Liberal Party. And then as a kind of a defensive line, and then the offensive line is essentially this is fake news. This is what the Liberal government is saying now. Well, you know, you know, there were inaccuracies and they won't say what the inaccuracies are. Um, and I mean, there aren't any, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know what it's going to take for this. Well, the question is, and, and I don't think the answer, I don't think there is any answer, a uh, reasonable answer that will cast this government in a flattering light. The question is why, why are they trying to downplay, dismiss, cover up, Evidence, uh, I mean, smoking gun, slam dunk evidence of the Beijing regime's interferences in the 2019 and 21 federal elections, disinformation campaigns, propaganda campaigns, threats, um, you know, mobilizing um, uh, Chinese foreign students uh, as campaign workers. Uh, paying them through, you know, third-party corporations, um, paying people to make donations to the Liberal Party by topping up, you know, the difference between your tax deduction and the, mm-hmm. the full amount of your donation. I mean, it's all there. And the the thing is, the, the, to, keep, to keep your eye on, I think, is why is the government trying to pretend that it isn't? Why is the government trying to say, don't look at this? Uh, and you're a bad person if you do. Um, I, that's the thing I find astonishing, that they think they can get away with this. Uh, and I'm wondering what the outcome or the implications are uh, for CSIS. Here are these people doing dedicated work for the security of our country and getting so outright dismissed, you know, yeah. and especially in this way, like actually accusing them of some of this stuff is false. You know, it's misinformation. I mean, and others, of course, the Canadian military issued their warnings, too, Um let alone, as you say, the small list of journalists who've been doing night and day kind of work on this file. I, I just, boy, where does this all lead? And I, I don't have an answer, but it scares me because the escalation is obvious. You know, I can go back yeah. 10 years and now start escalating. Oh, now they're, now they're trying to influence our elections aggressively, illegally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no walking back from this. There's no, yeah. there's no walking back from this. The, uh, you know, where, do, where does one proceed? Where does one go? I think there's a lot of people, and I've noticed this, there's a lot of people in the Liberal Party who were never really happy with this, right? With this kind of thing. We have to remember that when Trudeau was elected, like Trump, by the way, in the same way that sort of the Trumpists took over the Republican Party, when Trudeau was elected, 70% of the Liberal Party were, uh, were Trudeau recruits. This was the Trudeau Party. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people within the Liberal Party uh, and, and the House of Commons uh, that have watched what's happened in these kinds of national security uh, uh, matters. 
and are are very very alarmed and and they you know they you, you talk to them every once in a while they'll talk to you on the record off the record uh you know liberal mps former cabinet ministers um the conservatives i think really need to get their act together on this one um the, they did have their act together i mean i got to say i mean i'm kind of a lefty right you know me mike you've known me for yes. years yeah but i tell you you know when Aaron O'Toole was the leader of the Conservative Party, they, the Conservative Party developed a position on China, on human rights in China, on democracy, on Hong Kong, on the Uyghurs, on Chinese interference in Canada, on the relationship between the Canadian state and Chinese state-owned enterprises. About a page and a half uh, going into the election, O'Toole went into the election, of a China policy. And that China policy was supported explicitly by, you know, these sort of young, woke women, the Hong Kong activists, to, you know, the older conservative mm -hmm. pro-democracy people, Chinese pro-democracy pro people, Amnesty International. I mean, you, it was nonpartisan, solid, I mean, solid uh, liberal democratic position that uh, Aaron O'Toole brought to the, the 2021 election. And... The Liberal Party mentioned China in its entire platform in a subordinate clause of a single sentence. Hmm. Um, and I think the Conservatives saw what happened in the election. They saw that there was all of this interference. Um, people in uh, Aaron O'Toole's uh, campaign group figured that at least they lost at least nine writings because of this. And there are actually, I have to, I have to say, this isn't pleasant. There's some people in the in the Conservative Party who think, well, you know, it's kind of like Martin Koshan said, uh, the former Liberal cabinet minister um, on Chinese uh, 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 digital intelligence initiatives and Huawei. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some there are people in the Conservative Party who think this is a losing battle, that we can't be alienating uh, the friends of China in Canada and Chinese proxies. And the you know big section of the Chinese business community that has tied its interests to the Chinese Communist Party, and I think conservatives really need to. I mean, the New Democrat, this the NDP is a write-off. Heather McPherson is a good person. Their foreign affair, their foreign affairs uh, critic, but the party itself is just a, it's comical. Um, but there's a solid core of conservatives who uh, who are who who have adopted a very, very stern and solid and principled position on this question. Um, and I think they really need to start throwing their weight around a little bit. I think uh, 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 Pierre Polyev has got, somebody's got to box that guy's ears, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. um, he's got to wake up, you know. I mean, he said all the right things, but He's got to start listening very, very carefully to people like Michael Cooper and Michael Chong and others in the party. Um, I mean, just as a Canadian, I don't, I'm not a partisan, right? I don't, but as a Canadian and somebody, I mean, I do wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit. I'm a human rights guy. I'm, a, you know, I'm a fellow with the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. It's kind of my beat, kind of my thing. So you can take what I say with a grain of salt. But uh, I think as a Canadian, um, this is it. This is it. This is the point of no return. Mm -hmm. This is the point of no return. Uh, I, and I have never seen anything like this in all of the years I've been covering this issue, that there is a rupture 
uh, between the prime minister's office and the entire intelligence community. And there are CSIS people who are obviously and clearly uh, memorizing uh, Section 15 of the Official Secrets Act. I can't remember what it's called now. It's interf- what's a, yeah, the, the modern version of the 1984 version of the Official Secrets Act. Section 15 sets out uh, exemptions to the, uh, you know, very, very stiff and stern uh, um, secrecy provisions of the law. Uh, on public interest, they're public interest exemptions. So that if it's the law is basically that if if a judge can be persuaded that the public interest is served uh, in greater measure by violating the act and blowing a whistle, uh, then you're not going to go to jail for 14 years. And you can bet that a lot of CSIS guys have memorized that section. Um, this is really, really dark. Yeah, and dangerous. And as as I say, I've never seen anything like it before. Well, as I say, I'm I'm blown away by what's been happening. The evolution. This was not a surprise to me. In that, you know, the Communist Party of China has none of our interests in mind. Not one. You know, and to have any kind of naivety that they do, and, and globally they don't. Uh, but Canada's played a particular role, as you outlined. Uh, we are the outlier when it comes to uh, you know the G7 nations, the five eyes. They've proven it. And again, uh, I'll just come back to one quick thing about, uh, that's why I was so happy that Global Mail put it on the front page. In the last leaders debate, and, and both, 219, 221, the leaders debate, China wasn't brought up. And yeah, I, I think that's a problem. You know, Yeah, I mean, not only was China not brought up, but you may remember that uh, Trudeau refused to attend a leaders oh, debate yes. on foreign policy that was hosted by the Monk. Yeah, the Monk absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, just terrified of anybody talking about foreign policy because China is, you know, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Well, as I say, I think it's uh, the work that you're doing, as you mentioned others, it's incumbent upon all of us to become informed and really say, I mean, when you go as far as influencing the election, have a a sophisticated program, as you say, of disinformation, of uh, literally changing outcomes, you know, at some point uh, you're either Canadian or you're not, and you take notice. And I think it is a nonpartisan issue. I wish it wasn't. I wish, uh, I wish it, uh, I mean, the uh, prime minister's handling it in a partisan way, and that shouldn't be the case. You know, gosh, I I could give him 50 other ways of handling this uh, that elevates it to the importance it is. But clearly, and I think your point is so well taken about the mindset is completely different. Uh, uh, You know, sort of the idea of what uh, this government's legacy will be, you know, creates a completely different uh, reality and we're not the better for it. And uh, we are the better for the work you're doing and others, Uh, but my gosh, uh, continue doing it because we need everybody's attention. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Michael. Yeah. And on just on the last subject, I think you're quite right. I think probably for, I don't know, 70, 80% of the, you know, liberal liberals, you know, active liberals. Mm -hmm. I think it is, I, I think it, to be very, very fair, I think it probably is a question of naivete. They're just naive. Yeah. Well, but the people who are making the decisions on this stuff, writing the policy on this stuff, this isn't about naivete. They know exactly what yeah. they're doing. And that's the well, scary bit. I encourage people to go to the Ottawa Citizen. You can find Terry Glavin at the National Post. But here's the thing. I'm a subscriber. The real story.substack.com. The real story substack.com because we need the real story. Terry Glavin, thanks so much for finding time for us. Great talking to you, Michael.